summer turns to fall, that means more action in the sports world. And certainly among the Pittsburgh sports region, it is another episode of the Pit Stop here on Pittsburgh Sports Now and Sports Now Properties. I'm Mike Oste, and that is Mike Vakovacan. We will have Chris Moeller of 93.7, the fan of the PM team, to join us here in the middle of the show. And we have a lot to discuss here. Not necessarily a big game week for Pitt, although big games for some other teams in the region, but a lot of things going on around these teams, regardless of the gameplay this week, which makes talk shows like this just at their best. So we'll leave our opinions on candy corn and apple cider versus pumpkin spice for another day, although we have discussed those on yes. past shows. Uh, and Mike, first off, how are you? And then second off, we got a, got a big show here. Yeah. Excited. Uh, as you said, Pitt 34 and a half point favorites against, uh, Rhode Island. So there is a spread though. There is. Yeah, a spread. I, saw, I just saw that today. Our <laughs> friends, the loyal sons found the spread, but, yeah. uh, you know, there's not going to be much to that game. And normally week to week, we're going to really, you know, we get pit heavy here, but this right. week, uh, you know, considering they're going to whip up on Rhode Island. Right. And some of the other things happening this week, like the, uh, you know, pathetic Pirates and <laughs> a big game tonight with the Steelers. A huge game for them, I think. Uh, could be a sway for the part of the season. And uh, so we want to talk a little bit about that in the quarterback situation, uh, as always in Pittsburgh. But, uh, you know, we'll get into some pit talk, uh, yeah. first of all, before we uh, uh, bring in Chris. Yep, and I do think our fans and listeners and subscribers will be interested in this conversation even before we bring in Chris, so definitely all ears for this. And Mike, you put out a story in a report about Dayon Hayes and his status the rest of the season and his status in general. There then was the weekly press conference from Pat Narduzzi, which kind of was in contrary to your report. You certainly had conversations with some fans throughout the week, uh, to, to say the very least, and maybe caught some flack for that. Just... Your thoughts now in response to hearing what Pat Narduzzi did say, what your interactions were with some fans, and just if there's any different thoughts from you, or are we going to get a Mike Bakovacan retraction? What are now your thoughts that we've had some dust settle, but nothing factually changed that is out there, but yet obviously conflicting reports on his health and on his status the rest of the year? Yeah, I've been itching for the show all week, Mike. I I, I love doing this uh, with you, but considering yeah. what happened earlier this week, I have a <laughs> list of points here that uh, <laughs> give you the floor. Yeah, I, I love. I don't want to say I love getting into it with the fans. Uh, you know, as most people know over the years since I've been doing this, I'm not afraid to uh, say what I want to say, yeah. and uh, you know, if you don't like me for it. Uh, I really don't care, to be honest with you. Yeah. Uh, That's why I like you, by the yeah, way. Yeah, I, I try. Thanks. <laughs> uh, first of all, uh, before I get into what it said, uh, I, I got a lot of flack for blocking some people. And, you know, some people said they wouldn't read the site anymore. Blah, 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 blah. Right, I don't right. care. Uh, you could come to our site if you want. We will have the best pit coverage if you're a pit fan. If you don't, because I block people, the only reason I block people, I don't block people for having a difference of opinion of me. Sure, uh, sure. That, that's what makes everything great. That's what makes sports great. For the most part, that's what makes, uh, you know, the world great. 
But when you start, uh, if you want to start attacking me and start attacking the site and its credibility and, you know, we're minor league, uh, whatever you want to say, then I block you. That's real simple. Especially almost a decade in. This isn't year one of the site. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, those are are probably the same people that, you know, uh, when I first started the site seven years ago that said I would never make it and, uh, you know, rivals would kick my ass and everything like that. Well, seven years and, uh, you know, going a million people a month. uh, But we won't get into that. But you can can say whatever you want, uh, have a difference of opinion on me. Don't attack me personally. Don't attack the site. If you do, I block you. That, that's pretty simple. We could have, uh, you could say you're wrong and Pat Narduzzi said that uh, that you were wrong. That's fine. I won't block you for that. But if you start getting name calling and stuff, yeah. uh, I don't need to deal with you. So I don't. Uh, that's number one. Number two, I don't take back what I said. Um, if you had my source, uh of the people, reporters in the country would have went with the story. And I still, and I'm still going to go with it. I don't care what happens the rest of the year. Uh, We'll see if he comes back. I'm told he won't come back. I'm told the surgery, he's not going to come back. Uh, How do I want to put this? I was also going to say in your defense off of that, too, because you know what people are going to say. Well, then just reveal your source. Any good journalist or reporter who is legitimate isn't going to be able to do that. Just you can't ask for that. So that's no. It's 25 years, as I told a couple people through DMs, 25 years doing this. uh, If I tell you, if I give you my word that I'm not going to give you your name, I'm not going to do that. It's literally if you do that. Yeah, I I don't care. one of the reasons why I, this is something I didn't write about, but I think one of the reasons why, you know, Pat might be saying uh, Dayon Hayes will be back is uh, I wouldn't be surprised if they're trying to get him not to have the surgery. Um, it could be one right. of those deals. And uh, we'll see if he's, uh, We'll see if he's able to do that. Right. I don't believe he will. We will see. But I, I will stand by. And, and and I'll say this. If it, at the end of the year, he by some chance does come back, hey, I'll, I'll say it. But I, I'll say that I was wrong on that. I don't think it'll happen. But if it does, yeah, shit happens. Right. <laughs> and and the not- type of surgery we're talking about, if he has the surgery, he he's out for the year. Yeah. yeah. Correct. Yeah. Right. right. So. We'll Without see. being doctors, that got to be the case. Yeah. Here's something else too that I hear from people. Uh, well, Pat, said, you know, proved you wrong at the press conference. He says he's not going to come back. What What else is he going to say? Right. He, he is. Uh, Pat Narduzzi is very uh, obsessed with injuries. And as far as someone said, are you calling him a liar? <laughs> no, I'm not going to call him a liar. But I'll give you an example of something that happened last week, and then you can make a jump. All week, Pat Narduzzi said last week said that he didn't know who the starter was going to be and it would be a game time decision. Well, he was on the Jim Rome show yesterday uh, nationally, and he said, told Jim Rome that if you don't, you know, if you want to listen to it, go find it. He put the clip up uh, that he, he meaning him, uh, Narduzzi, informed the team on Tuesday that he told the team that Nate Yarnell would start. Rest of the week, he kept telling the media, 
Uh, Same day know. as his press conference. Too. Yeah, I don't know who's going to – exactly. I don't know who's going to start. It's a game-time decision. Is that a lie? You know, he's Thursday. He met with the media again. I don't know. Game-time decision. Uh, so so you, you, can, you can say what you want. Uh, I'm not going to call the man a liar. I'm just saying there's a lot of stuff during his press conferences, and when you go back and look, it's coaches speak. It's I was going to say, it's not even not a criticism true. of Narduzzi. Coaches do that all the time. Narduzzi was even one. I'll even connect to Narduzzi here. Prior to the backyard brawl, there was a question mark on who West Virginia's starting quarterback was going to be, despite getting a big-time transfer in JT Daniels, and Pitt had named Keaton Slow as the starter a week earlier after they kind of had a competition as well. Narduzzi was so frustrated that Neil Brown wouldn't name JT the starter that he literally said, he won't do it, he should do it, so since he's not done it, JT's going to be the starter, I guarantee it, and then eventually Neil Brown did name him the starter after Narduzzi said that, and some thought that was kind of maybe Bush League coach-to-coach, but that everyone knew Neil Brown was going to name JT Daniels a starter. The team knew that. The team said that. Bryce Board Wheaton and players said they knew that weeks earlier. And Narduzzi was frustrated that a coach was was Neil Brown lying, or was he just not willing to confirm something, put something out there like maybe this? Narduzzi doesn't want to confirm something that could maybe give an advantage to a, to opponents. So coaches do this all the time, but doesn't make you wrong. Yeah, and it's this thing he has with injuries. And hey, I get it. He 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 doesn't want you know, he wants the team to maybe the other team to have to extra yeah. prepare or not what's going on. But at the same time, one thing Pat doesn't understand is this is 2022 stuff is going to come out. Yep, people yep. are harassing these kids, uh, not harassing. People are bothering these kids for information. It's going to come out. He's not hot. He's not going to be able to hide anything. Um, all he has to say, a little, little PR tip for him. He doesn't have to give away the injury. For instance, Rodney Hammond, he has an ankle, foot, something, that injury. All he has to say is, you know what, Rodney's dealing with a lower body injury. He's not practicing. He's not close to practicing. When he's ready to, when he when he returns to the practice field, which then everyone knows it's going to take some time, just because you practice doesn't mean you're going to play, I'll let you know. That's all he has to say in, in, in some of these situations, because what's happened with Rodney Hammond now, because he won't talk about the situation, it, it's led to all this BS on Twitter that the kid's going to transfer, and, and which is not the case. But because everything goes dark over there with these injuries, it leads people to speculate and tweet all this crap. And it could be it could be eliminated if he didn't treat uh injuries as though there's some state secret uh <laughs> it, it, right. it just it, it really is ridiculous it's a bill Be it's bill belichick stuff yeah. and actually i remember last week on our last show eric mcclain of the ac network he came on and talked about how the one thing that he likes in college football is you're not going to have to study so much and be so confused on who's playing outside of starting QBs, unlike the NFL, where, say, Bill Belichick can smudge things. But with Fed and Narduzzi, yeah, it kind of is still a head scratcher for, for years now. And I guess you can get why you'd want to have it that way, but you there's only so much you can avoid getting out there in 2022 or even, like, in 2017 or 18. I mean, it's just... You know, yeah, and, and and with these uh deals that companies and people could have with these kids, they're gonna have access to them, they're gonna yeah. get the information, and the information is gonna come out. So him trying to at these press conferences, trying to act as though he's you know, I know there's one story that 
you know, our Carl Ludwig did about uh, uh, one of the parents appreciated. Of course, the parents appreciate. I'm not saying it's a, a it's a bad thing. You don't have to give away the exact injury, but right. you don't have to act as though you know, like, uh, well, you know, you know my policy. I don't talk about you know, it's just stupid. It's not 1980 <laughs> like that. Yeah. Uh, and the other thing, one other thing I wanted to get in here is, you yeah. know, I know I'm, I'm probably didn't make a lot of friends over at Pitt for doing this. Uh, I know for a fact I didn't. But once again, that's not my worry. Until right. I start getting drawing paychecks from Pitt. You don't work for Pitt, right? No, PSN <laughs> is not a, we cover Pitt. We're not an employee of Pitt. Right. We don't, dic- we don't we're, we're not dictated by what they tell us. We're not, uh, that's not the way I work. Uh, I, I, I want Pitt to win, but I'm not a homer and, yeah. and, and that'll never be the case. And if you don't like me for that, if you don't like the site for that, don't read it. it right. it's, it's, you know, real simple. Yeah. And every team has their own media these days. There's the Steelers media team, the Penguins media team, pirates, et cetera, all the college teams. So if you do want basically just homerism stuff, then that's out there from the teams, but that's not what we do here. And honestly, yeah, we don't get a play paycheck from these teams we're covering. And, and really, if it ever became to that, it would be a whole different world. It wouldn't be what we've been doing. It would be, it just be, would be totally different. So yeah, I mean, obviously, and again, you can go over to Pittsburgh sports now for any of that coverage there with the, the day on Hayes report from Mike Pacova can. And then obviously you can also see all of Pat Narduzzi's press conference on Pittsburgh sports now, and also on the YouTube channel, on what he said and how it was in contrary. And we'll just basically, this is one of those things. It's going to remain to be seen. We'll see who's correct, but we're not going to know for a while. One, one thing about the game this week, Mike, is uh, it'll be interesting. It sounds as though Keaton Slovis is going to play. Um, um, I don't know how I feel about that, but I understand the, uh, you know, I, I understand maybe trying to get him in into a half. Yeah. Not the whole game. And, right. Uh, you know, get him into a little bit of a rhythm before you start ACC play. Uh, I definitely wouldn't play him uh, the whole game. Uh, right. Pitt's going to obviously slaughter where they should slaughter Rhode Island. Uh, so this will be another chance for uh, Nate Yarnell and maybe some of the other receivers and some other stuff uh, guys to, uh, you know, to get into the game. Some of the second and third team guys and yep. anybody with a uh, injury that, uh, you know, might be 50-50, no way they should be on the field this Saturday uh, to risk anything. 100%. And Slovis' situation maybe is a little different than any other starting quarterback in this situation playing an FCS team just because he's new to the program, doesn't have that many games under his belt, doesn't have that much chemistry with these receivers, et cetera, even though he has played well, just coming off of not playing even though he wasn't healthy for that reason. Yeah, giving him some time, giving him a quarter and a half, giving him a half. Certainly would be positive here as we do wait for our guest, Chris Muller of 93.7 The Fan, as we're going to be able to talk some Steelers, some Pirates. The Pirates lost on a walk-off Grand Slam this week. So everyone's been talking about Aaron Judge's 60th home run and then the walk-off from the man who chased 60 most recently prior to Aaron Judge in Stanton. He had 59 with the with the Marlins years ago. And the other side of that, because everyone's talking about that. We're going to talk about the other side of that and the Pirates losing in that fashion and just what that means and then following it up with yet another loss here. So, Mike, as we do wait for Chris here, um, and I do believe I got him the link, just wanted to double check that. But as we do wait for Chris here, just right now, 
your thoughts on the steel, the state of the Steelers, I guess, because they're coming off of that loss to New England. We looked uh, again, and I'll, I'll, I'll say this. We looked dumb again because <laughs> we, we once again swung and missed on some of the picks. I mean, we spent a whole segment on if that was an insulting spread or not. The Patriots were 0-1. They looked horrible. They were on the road. But Vegas knows something we don't know, Mike. Uh, they, they hit the nail on the head there, as they did all the games over the weekend. And did that expose the Steelers being not fixable for a while this season, I'll ask, I guess, because people do want Kenny Pickett, maybe not this week, maybe next week. Obviously, Mr. Trubisky's struggle, but he is the vet. He's a former pro bowler. But is it is that just not as simple as it is? Is it is it deeper than that, as we do bring on Chris here, that maybe more is needed to fix this than just a quick switch at QB? Yeah, I think it goes beyond the quarterback, uh, and we'll get into this with Chris right now. Yeah, I do I do see Chris here, yes. Yeah, so Chris- I think it starts, obviously, with uh, – you know, it starts with the coaching. Uh, okay, and, and we'll get into that as well. Yeah, yeah Matt Canada, the OC, a lot of people yeah. obviously bringing him well, up and having uh, Let's bring Chris in so we can jump, we can jump right yep. into this because I know it'll be a big topic tonight on uh, this afternoon. Um, we now do bring in Chris Moeller of 93.7 The Fan, host of the PM team. Chris, thanks for joining me, man. Gentlemen, pleasure to be here with you. What's up? <laughs> well, Not much, uh, like in the Odyssey background there too. Yeah, let's oh, get yeah, we have Zoom room here. I'm in a very fancy setting. You can see this uh, nice potted plant behind yeah. me. There's two potted <laughs> plants flanking me here. So in some ways, I am with you between two ferns. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Spack takes care of you over there at the uh, at the embassy. <laughs> but uh, let's. Uh, what's the bigger situation? You know, I, uh, you guys will be you and Pony will be discussing this all afternoon leading up till game time tonight. Uh, you know, you can't ever talk too much about coordinators or quarterbacks. Is the issue, in, in your mind, is the bigger issue uh, Mitch Trubisky or is it Matt Canada or is it uh, 50-50? I mean, you could go 33 and a third. Do I want to make a repeating decimal joke here? You could go 33 and a third, head coach, offensive coordinator, and quarterback here. Uh, because I think the problem with trying to separate like and, and put blame on one or the other more here is it really all is intertwined. I think the head coach is a firm believer in his defense's ability to win football games, even without TJ Watt. Um, Even though in 2022 in the NFL, that really just isn't how it's done. I know the Buccaneers have been awesome defensively through two weeks, but that's more of an anomaly. Uh, I think you can blame the offensive coordinator here uh, because I think his schemes, and I've sort of gotten hip to this, you know, I was not a believer in Ben Roethlisberger really in late 2020 or most of 2020, all of last year. And then, you could sort of give Matt Canada a pass, but right. what became pretty clear to me, I think, late last year was Matt Canada's schemes, guys, are designed to beat college defenses with mostly college players. And what do we know about college players? Even in the Power Five, even in the SEC, most of those guys won't be going pro. So you have these things where he's getting a power running game in 2016 with Pitt, but he's also messing with the eye discipline of guys who are going to be assistant manager trainees at Enterprise Rent-A-Car in six months they're not going to be playing in the nfl so that's a little different than getting an nfl linebacker out of position so i think it's an offense that to what i've seen so far guys has largely been defined by you know not being able to get nfl players in places where they shouldn't be so that's his role in this and then tomlin obviously overarching is trying to be conservative and i think has drilled it into canada's head drilled it into trubisky's head hey don't turn the ball over don't screw it up and we'll win to trubisky's end though Listen, 
If you're Mike Tomlin and you're saying I'm worried about the middle of the field being used or you're Matt Canada and you're not calling plays that use the middle of the field, you can just tell people, hey, look at Mitch Trubisky's one big throw that he tried over the middle down the seam. He stared at Mac Wilson like this and then <laughs> threw the football. Yeah. So you can blame all three of them. I think this is I know we love the sports talk blame game, whether you're doing radio, podcasting, whatever. Right. But I think all three guys bear legitimate and almost equal culpability for this thing. Yeah, and Chris, as you know, in most of these things, there's never really always one guy that is to blame. In most of the scenarios, we always ask the questions, but usually there there definitely are pieces of the pie to go around or you wouldn't be in this mess. But keeping on this subject here for a moment, you have Matt Kanda, who you brought up that maybe it's just the system. And now we've kind of learned that and he's maybe been exposed a little bit because I do think there might've been legitimate excuses last year that he could have offered in his meetings that, Hey, Ben wasn't mobile. This team didn't work for my system. The O-line was awful. And you figure those things would be different this year and improve. But now that maybe that's been exposed, if you have that opinion and it clearly sounds like you do, what kind of rope would you give Matt Kanda? Because we have seen an example. It's a decade ago. But in the division, the Baltimore Ravens did fire an offensive coordinator that was very controversial. That was discussed there with their local media. And they actually won the Super Bowl that same season. It's a decade later. It's a different NFL now. But is that something that even if you're done with Matt Kanda, that you would first want to massage the QB, that you just would be hesitant to do that separate from what the Steelers would do? What would be the rope if you're totally done with Matt Kanda and believe a picket switch in is actually not going to fix this? I mean, if you're done with them, like in any situation in the NFL, if you're fully done with a guy, I think you've got two options. You either let him go or somebody else on staff just assumes the play calling roles or that guy's role and that guy gets shunted to the background. Art Rooney doesn't like to fire people midseason. When Clem right. left, it was because Clem, by the way, was a disaster on his own part. Probably never should have been their <laughs> offensive line coach. He wanted to go. I don't think Canada right. wants to go. I think Canada maybe in the back of his mind, as confident as he might be in his scheme, knows that it would be tough for him to get another NFL coordinator job, if not impossible. So he's not going to pull that that stunt like Adrian Clem did. Um, I wouldn't have much rope. I mean, I would want to see like, hey, Matt. He might get a college job, though. I think he could get a power yeah. five job even, right. even though in, in, in the SEC, money, obviously he yeah. goes to LSU, they stink. Then Joe Brady, who's also not a good coordinator in the NFL and flunked out, comes in with Joe Burrow, gets Joe Burrow picked first overall, sure. et cetera. But yeah, he sure. could get a college job somewhere for sure. But right. I, if you think he's done and you don't think his schemes are good, then why keep him around at all? Mike Sullivan's called plays, albeit not well with Eli Manning, but you have a guy on staff who could do that. You can make an argument, guys. Mike Tomlin, a wide receivers coach at first, then he got into to defensive backs. That's where he really made his bones. He's been around so long in the NFL, you can make a legitimate case Mike Tomlin probably knows more about NFL offense than Matt Canada. I know that yeah. sounds ridiculous, but in terms of experience, it's probably closer to true right. than not. I wouldn't give him a lot of rope. I'd be like, hey, you've got to get this quarterback at the very least out on the move. You've got to get him into tempo more. I mean, all of these, I think the easiest thing to implement, even though it's a road game raucous environment, is you can get them playing a little bit of tempo earlier in games and more often in games. Because you need to, every, every guy in the yeah. offense likes it and it clearly works. It prevents the defense from substituting. Yeah. We had Arthur Motes, like I think he said to us, you know, when a defense uh, is on their heels like that in tempo, it's because they only have about two or three defensive calls that they can make. If you have success, you know what they're going to have to stay in so you can attack them. And that's the whole operating principle there. So 
I would at least do that. And if Canada doesn't want to, then if you're a Rooney, you've got to think about this. Do, do you open up the playbook regardless, though? Because maybe giving that true test, like obviously Mr. Trubisky's not been good enough. That's clear. I'm sure they know that, and that's part of this decision-making. But there's also the whole debate out there that whether it's Trubisky or Pickett, if, and this was brought up years ago with Duck and Mason, that if you handcuff the playbook, even if the guy's not good enough, you do make it easier on the defense, and you're basically screwed no matter what. So if you don't open it up a little bit, there's no sense in trying with the guy, if you know what I mean. Yeah, asking. I mean, I think you have to open it up because it's like when you're doing, guys, uh, an experiment in science class, right? You're trying to create a control group and eliminate variables to try to prove a hypothesis. So if your hypothesis is, say, Mitch isn't a good quarterback, we'll open up the playbook more and let him prove that he's not a good quarterback, right? Yep. Or find out maybe that you were handcuffing him more than you believed. Um, I Listen, they're just so predictable. They don't get a guy who – we heard Tomlin talk – like all offseason, I want a veteran. I want a mobile guy. Jay Glazer's leaking. Oh, he doesn't want a rookie to start. He wants a mobile veteran. Well, that's true, but they aren't using Mitch's mobility. Get him out on design runs. He is athletic enough. He's more athletic than Pickett. He'd give him out doing RPOs. Okay. I mean, it, it just doesn't make sense to me that they're not using his best attribute that can actually move a defense around and put them on their heels a little bit. Right. One thing that I think is kind of getting lost because of the uh, – quarterback offensive coordinator talk that's uh you know everywhere is Najee Harris um I I don't know if it's just me but he doesn't look um I don't know I, I Mike I Mike I'll, I'll jump in there, there I've had two separate extremely credible people because I've been saying he looked hurt in the Cincinnati game well yeah. before he got hurt yeah. Like he looked tentative. He was running upright like an Eddie George or an Eric Dickerson, but a bad version of them. Right. He's not them. Two extremely credible people. One I heard from directly. And then one I heard through the grapevine agreed with my idea that he just, he was hurt all along. Uh, he clearly didn't look himself against Cincy. He is not the Najee Harris they drafted. Right. I've heard that the missing holes thing is legit, but it's kind of getting blown up more because it's a handful of plays where it does look really bad. The problem with him is he's not explosive. He's not delivering blows to defenders. You know who is, or you know who at least looks like he's trying? Jalen Warren. Yeah. They feel like they're pot committed to this guy because they picked him in the first round. Stupidly, I might add. Could have taken Creed Humphrey there. Uh, and they seem like they're going to ride him till the wheels fall off when they're already wobbly. And that's what Tomlin always brings up. He wants the bell cow. He wants the ball toter. And that's kind of what he has in Najee Harris. That was the whole point of drafting him. And as you know, Chris, that was the entire polarizing conversation amongst Pittsburgh media prior to that draft. Is is that the strategy? Do you go there? Do you bolt to the O-line, et cetera? And we're just here now. But mm -hmm. that that's definitely interesting because, yeah, he has missed some holes. The explosiveness not there even to the beginning of last season. Last thing on the offense before we do switch gears, George Pickens. He's also been part of the conversations since the, the last Steelers game, to say the very, very least. Obviously, he is that draft pick that a lot of people are expecting a lot of. With all those odds of Kenny Pickett winning Offensive Rookie of the Year, many thought the more legitimate guy that could get that was George Pickens because he was definitely going to start or get playing time right away. People believe he's open. It looks like he's open at times, not getting him the ball. The numbers are pedestrian. Receiver's a position that you can have an impact right away. Is it that he's not getting involved enough with the way the offense is schemed? What have you seen from him that maybe he could explode at, at one point? Is this still something it's maybe on fault. him that he's not doing? It's their fault. I mean, they haven't thrown him okay. the ball. You know, Trubisky yeah. throws him in sort of a, a quick strike drill 
two-minute drill. He throws one over his shoulder to the boundary, and Pickens makes a great catch and a toe tap. I'm not going to blame George Pickens. You guys have heard the old expression for a speedster, if he's even, he's leaving. Uh, if George Pickens is up in a 50-50 ball, I feel like he's open. If he's covered, he's still open. If he's you double covered, okay, maybe he's not. Throw yeah. the ball to a playmaker. I mean, this is getting it's getting real tiresome to see Mitch Trubisky going back to him for a second, going first read. It's never Pickens. If it's not open, I'm dumping it off to a gimpy Najee Harris. Yeah. Like, give him the damn ball. Keyshawn Johnson would be proud to hear me say that. You've got to throw <laughs> your best potential weapon in terms of physical skills and physical yeah. dominance. They're throwing little shorties to Claypool, too. Like, they're not even letting that other guy that they've got who looks freshly motivated actually make combat catches down the field. Let's get into tonight's game here. Um, big game for both teams. Um, the division, everyone's uh, the same, aside from uh, Bengals, who started out a surprising 0-2. Uh, you know, aside from scoring more points, how, could, uh, how do you see the Steelers attacking Cleveland tonight, and how, how can they win this game? I mean, they can win this game by doing the one thing that I don't think that they're going to be willing to do. I think Mike Tomlin's going to want to turn it into a rock fight, like AFC North ball and all that stuff that he loves to talk about. It's just AFC North football. You have the uh, Browns defensive backs basically admitting, guys, that they're having horrible miscommunication issues and Joe Flacco went bombs away. They should be taking shots downfield early and often and testing that defense, that secondary. That's how you beat the Browns. Send some go routes down there or get some route concepts that actually confuse them if Matt Canada is capable of drawing them up and challenge their defensive backfield, challenge Delpit, challenge all those guys. I think that would be the way you loosen them up. Maybe you make it easier on your running game. Your O-line's been protecting enough to actually do that. You don't have to deal with Clowney in this game. Only one half of that big pass rushing tandem. Throw the ball downfield. I don't think, Mike, that they're going to do that, though, and that's kind of why I'm frustrated just sitting here. How many, what, eight hours before the start of the game? <laughs> you already know uh, it's coming. Already yeah. getting ticked off at the thought that they're probably not going to do the one obvious thing they should do. And yeah. I'd be very yeah. surprised if Kevin Stefanski, um, you know, I know the Steelers' run defense was the issue last year. It's been okay so far this year. If uh, I just cannot see a way that uh, Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt don't both get you know, whatever, 20, 20 plus carries against us. Yeah, that's their strategy. Defense and, right. Uh, prove that they can stop them. I, I, I think they do that. Steelers have zero chance. Yeah. And they're going to try to force turnovers too. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think if the Browns get into a situation where this game's like a three point game, either way late in the fourth, you know, five or eight minutes to go in the fourth quarter and they have the yeah. ball. Look at what New England did to them running out the clock. I mean, right. what's the, the Browns aren't going to do the exact same thing or worse. They should have won that Jets game. I know everyone laughs about how awful they were, and they were. It was an embarrassment yeah. the last 90 seconds, but they had the Jets handled until they forgot how to play football. That running game was every bit what people thought it was going to be. Yeah, and that's what they have to do, really. And, yeah, that's the strategy. That would then be that old-school AFC North football, but that is really the recipe of the Browns doing win this. Talking with Chris Moeller of 93.7 The Fan, Odyssey Pittsburgh here. I do want to switch gears and talk about the other team – who was involved in the national conversation this week, and that is the Pittsburgh Pirates. They were the other conversation of Aaron Judge's 60th, Stanton's walk-off grand slam, and then another destruction win for the Yankees. The Pirates took part in it, and if it wasn't for the Pirates, it wouldn't have all unfolded that way. So 
give me your thoughts here. And obviously we don't need this to go hours on end, but just <laughs> kind of the state of the Pirates right now. You have O'Neill Cruz exciting some fans, but obviously there's still some moments like that. There's still a lot of issues. This is the Pirates that just make people just wince and say, okay, Pirates is the Pirates to kind of, you know, change up what Juju said about the Browns. Going into another offseason, it's another big deal offseason for Ben Charrington now another year into this. But there are some that have hope, but there's others that are waiting a long, long time. I mean, where are you? I'm I'm more in the – I think this is going to be a long, long time if it ever comes back. I mean, yeah. teams that have a lot of money are getting smarter about how they utilize it. They seem better at developing talent. Teams like the Braves have guys like what Michael Harris – coming right up and being good. You know, the Braves have just this unbelievable run of talent coming through their system. Yeah. They also have more financially than the Pirates. So how sure. is that happening? That O'Neill Cruz, it, it, it's always like there's one savior type guy with the Pirates that you have to pin all your hopes on. And Cruz, listen, I think Cruz is going to be a superstar. I'm heartened to see that he's clearly figuring it out. He gets a laser beam out off of DeGrom this past yeah. weekend as a bright spot. But where's the, where is the cavalry worth of talent like why is it always a guy here a guy there oh Royancy Contreras looks like he's going to be pretty good but not many people outside of Pittsburgh view him as a frontline starter a Quinn Priester could be nice I mean where you're not going to win in this town you're not going to see the team spend huge free agency money I think probably ever it's always going to be about trying to lock up their own so if you're not getting a consistent pipeline influx of talent that's pretty precocious, you are really trying to thread a very delicate needle here. And I just don't see how that's realistic in this day and age in Major League Baseball. Yeah, but that's the major precocious, by the way. That's you expect any major changes with the Pirates this offseason? Does Bob Nutting, uh, Ben Sherrington, do they, uh, they react in any way or do they just – Right. you sense urgency? I mean, when you, you know, <laughs> no. I'm, I'm, well, I'm serious. I mean, the, no, other no. the other doesn't speak very often. Uh, he speaks maybe once a year, maybe twice at best. Uh, the general manager, I don't think, has acted with any urgency. I just, I think that's one of the chief frustrations for fans that when you hear the people in charge of making this team a contender talk, it doesn't often feel like they have the same sense of urgency in tone. It's all about, hey, we've got this plan. We can't tell you the specifics and the particulars, but just trust us. There's a plan. That's right. an unnerving thing to hear, given where they're hurtling towards record-wise and development-wise this year. Yeah, and, and you have to be aware of the surroundings and the market that you're in. Obviously, Charrington can't be blamed for the past full decade and the 20 years prior to that, but he has to be aware that that's not going to be something that fans are going to going to wait for and, and are going to be incredibly anxious with mike anything else for chris here before we do let him go well, he has a show one good question uh good or bad is there been anything that has uh stood out to you with pitt through three games you know and i know uh two and one i think that's pretty where most people thought they would be at this point uh some people three and oh but uh you know good or bad what is is there something that's really stood out to you about this team I don't think even, you know, the Tennessee game is a loss that disappoints people that Tennessee pays them back for what Pitt did in their building last year. I don't think, though, that they have had like I haven't felt like, oh, this team's going to do the infamous pitting in any game like they lost because their quarterbacks got knocked out of the game. And so, yeah. you know, it's college football. Weird stuff happens. It was sort of heartening, as weird as it sounds 
Uh, this is a little in the weeds with college football, but you go play a Mac school at night in their building and you've got your fourth string quarterback yep. starting ultimately. Yep. And you just go in there and physically grind them to dust. If I were going to cite one thing that's been encouraging that win weird as it seems and i don't want to overstate it and easier make it said than like done they, yeah on the road well yeah. yeah but i don't want to make it seem like they beat alabama or anything sure. like that but that sure. that kind of win is the old program win where that's what pat narduzzi wants to develop we're just going to yeah. out physical most teams and the, the fact that they actually went in and did that to western michigan as goofy as it sounds is actually encouraging to me yeah because it could have went the other way and the quote-unquote pitting pit teams wouldn't have done that and exactly. they lost Last year to that team, which at the end of the day really stopped them from having a playoff chance, regardless of when it started clicking. Chris, we definitely appreciate you you taking the time. I, I know you have a, your own show to, to plan for there on 93.7 The Fan. So Running right out of here right now. <laughs> wait, wait, Chris, just what do you have got? What do you and Pony have going on this afternoon right now? Uh, tons of Steelers. Just Steelers, Browns. We've got our white hot takes. We've got okay. our probing questions. We've got the picks <laughs> earlier than anybody else does them. We've got all the things you've come to know and love on the PM team starting at 2 o'clock. All right. We'll be listening, man. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> keep, keep it there. Again, Chris Moeller of 93.7 The Fan and Odyssey Pittsburgh. Great stuff there with Chris. I love the analogies there as well. And certainly tune in to the PM team with him and Andrew Filipponi, or maybe Pony, as you know him. But so it's not the only big game tonight, Mike. Uh, yeah, no. Big game, for, uh, big game for the Mountaineers. Um, West Virginia, three points, two and a half point favorites, I believe. Uh, ESPN. Uh, I like West Virginia. I I I, I think they're going to win because of one thing: JT Daniels. Okay. Um, I, I think he'll be the uh, best player on the field tonight. Okay. I don't know how many points are going to be scored. I saw somebody put up forty some points and high. I I don't know about yeah. that. Yeah. But I, I just think that quarterback is the most important position on the team uh, on a football field, and I think West Virginia has the best quarterback and i believe they have the best player on the field and yeah. uh and I, and I believe they win i actually think they beat uh virginia tech tonight uh easily i also will say because i actually do think west virginia is going to win this game the whole mystique and the whole argument of yeah i hear you virginia tech's not even that good but it's lane stadium it's blacksburg Woo! thursday night four and three three and three they have not been dominated at home in at least three years. They haven't really been a good team in three or four, if not more years. I know they were ranked 15th when West Virginia did beat them in Morgantown last year, but then they ended up losing five or six the rest of the season where West Virginia ended up with a better year. So these are two average teams right now. What you're saying should be true. West Virginia should win this game. I do think they really need to win this game because the schedule does not get easier the rest of the season to kind of keep this year being okay. But I will tell you from, from covering this team directly, JT Daniels, Mike is really, really smart. So you're watching him on the field. He's really accurate. Chris talked about a good quarterback doesn't just have one read. And then if it's not there, it's just over and you dump to running back. He's getting the ball to the third read. He's given you the entire example and, and that whole scheme he is really, really smart. Graham Harrell talks about how smart he was. If you remember, Pat Narduzzi talked about how smart he was. Everyone is just wowed by this kid's intelligence. He's been hurt for years. He's never really been able to put the tape together fully. Graham Harrell has an NFL style. He's an NFL guy. He has that pipeline. This is the ticket for JT Daniels to try to save himself, make him some money, and get a chance in the future. 
it's doing it in these type of games on prime time. So I think West Virginia will win. It's going to be ground and pound as well for Tech. Will Grant, ha- Grant Wells make any mistakes? Will West Virginia's defense show up? Because I think it's pretty clear you cannot blame JT Daniels for the fact this has been a sluggish start to the year for West Virginia as well. The Candace game was not his fault. The defense didn't show up at the end. Will they show up as another factor as well? And they did against Townsend, but it is FCS Townsend. So yeah, I think no, West 30, Virginia will win. But. Yeah, I'm going 31-21 West Virginia, maybe 30, okay. maybe 35-20, somewhere. They'll win by double digits. My, uh, I don't know if I'm that confident. I'm not going to go double digits, but I am saying I will think yeah. – I do think West Virginia will win. I might go more 27-24. I think it will still be close. Those games just always are. But I do think West Virginia will win, and they absolutely have to. Do you have a Steelers Browns pick here as we go? Yeah, I, I actually believe that. Uh, I think sometimes it goes like this: the, the the focus of conversation all week and everything, and then this guy will come out. I, 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 I for some reason, I think Mitch Trubisky is going to play a good game tonight. Okay. Um, I, they're not deaf. They're not. They're not blind. They see what's going on as far as you know. They're watching that tape. Yeah. Uh, and, and I think George Pickens, this will be his breakout night on Thursday night football. Um, I think uh, I tweeted earlier today, by the way, I do think I, so as well. St- yeah. Interesting stat. Uh, I saw the last seven games. Uh, I tweeted it uh, that point spreads were 38 points or below as far as the over and under. They all hit the under seven and oh, so the game is 38 points tonight. So look for a low scoring game. Yeah. And I think, I, I think Steel, uh, I'm not going to give you a score. I don't know, but I think Steelers win. And I think uh, Mitch Trubisky, at least for a week, um, the Wolves will be off of him for a week as far as uh, wanting his uh, butt on the bench. Yeah. I do think they'll win. I think the Browns are vulnerable. This is a situation regardless of whether it's Trubisky or even if it's Pickett, who's never played in the NFL regular season as a rookie, you probably have the better QB. This isn't Deshaun Watson out there. Uh, Brissett's okay, but you're not going to write home about him. So I do think the Steelers should win. I do think Pickens is unleashed. I do think they kind of do what we talked about with Chris in terms of opening up the playbook a little bit, regardless of who's out there, maybe using his legs a little bit more, maybe more RPOs and getting Trubisky to throw off his legs because that is what he did well, rarely in their loss to the Patriots. I think all of that does happen. And I guess the only loser in all that besides the Browns would be then Kenny Pickett. Because if that does occur, Pickett's not going to start the next week, obviously. That would at least go two more weeks before you do see Pickett. And maybe by him, in terms of Trubisky, three or four weeks. Because you know Tomlin wants to ride the veteran. So if he sees good football and a win from Trubisky, he will tell the media, I saw it. You had to give time. It's a new offense, a new system. We're all figuring it out. Give us time. He's the vet. Pick it to the future, but he's the vet now. That'll probably buy him another month and a half if you really see what you're saying. But I think it will actually happen in a big game for the Steelers. Because if it goes the whole other way and goes off the rails and Trubisky still can't get it done, I then do think we might see Pickett the next week. But just as a caution to fans, he is a rookie. There are bigger problems here with Canada, et cetera, in this whole offense. You could see tons of growing pains there. And then if you do see those, this whole season's in the tubes. Because you're not going to waffle and go back and forth once you throw the rookie in. So this is that's how big of a deal this game is. But- I, I also think that their, their upcoming schedule is going to dictate who. It gets um, tougher um, after the Jet game. It, it gets very yeah. It, it gets very difficult, and uh, you know the Bills, Buccaneers, Dolphins, Eagles. 
You want to throw Kenny Pickett up? Aren't the Cowboys him? even in there too, off the top of my head, somewhere coming up? Uh, no, uh, the no, next no, okay. after after this, they play the Jets, which could be a winnable right, game, right? Uh, at home, but then you have the Bills, the Bucks, Dolphins, and Eagles, and then you have the bye week. Okay, uh, I, I kind of agree a little bit with Colin Coward. He talked on his radio show yesterday, and he says that he believes uh, Tomlin will make the change after the bye week, after the Eagles game. Uh, the it's record, probably more ideal. Yeah, yeah, the record will be pretty bad. After losing to those probably uh, Bills, Bucks, Dolphins, and Eagles, maybe they'll win one of those games. That's yeah. how it happens in the NFL. But if not, then you bring them back at home against the Saints um, on the 13th after the bye week. You have two weeks to prepare. Right. Yeah, I, I don't see him coming in anytime soon because I don't think Mike Tallman wants to right away admit he wasn't, uh, you know, they weren't right in the decision. Plus, it's not, no matter what we think, it's not fair to Mitch Trubisky to give right. him three weeks to be a starter, you know, it's 100%. It's, and I think yeah. even on the flip side, because someone in Trubisky benched after the Patriots game, it wouldn't have been in the best interest or been fair. And they never were going to do this to throw Pickett to the wolves on a short week. So right. Pickett's your future. They're going to take care of him when they put him in. They want to be confident that it's not going to be a situation where fans are then going to have to say, Oh, we want to win this year, so now we got to bench the future because he's sucking for two or three weeks. You know Cam Hayward's not going to want to just have a meeting with Tomlin in week seven. Well, we put Pickett in. He's struggling. We can't bench him. He's the future, so we're just going to lose this year. No. They want to make sure they're confident in what's happening at some point whenever that guy gets in there. So, yeah, I, I'm, I'm down with you on all of that. That'll do it, though, for this edition of the show, of course, here at the Pit Stop. Feel free to download and subscribe everywhere you can listen to podcasts if you don't just want to watch Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, etc. And, of course, here on our YouTube channel and over there at Pittsburgh Sports Now. He's Mike Vakovacan. Thanks to Chris Moeller of 93.7 The Fan Odyssey Pittsburgh for joining us and listening to the PM team there starting at 2 o'clock every day of the week, including today, which goes until Steelers-Browns. I'm Mike Osti. This was the Pitch Stop on Pittsburgh Sports Now.